Fact number one is that Jesus predicted his own death and resurrection. Jesus predicted it. Predicted his own death and resurrection. In November of 1996, God opened an amazing door of opportunity here at Union Station. We wanted to invite our NCC family to be a part of the Batterson family for part of today. It's neat for me, we've got um, my mom and dad here with us. And uh, I guess I'd like to say thank you to you guys, because if it weren't for you, I wouldn't be here. You're welcome. No problem. <laughs> Worship is non-negotiable. Reverend Mark Batterson is NCC's preacher. He's been podcasting since July, and in a few weeks he'll add video. We're very orthodox in belief, but somewhat unorthodox in practice. We're really excited about uh, our Tear Down the For Sale Sign celebration. Make it hard enough so that we realize that it's nothing that we did. Uh, what a privilege for us to be a part of this moment, this decision. I'm not retiring. <laughs> hey, that, that was a nice little surprise. Um, by the way, if you're a guest, I apologize. Wow. Uh, there's nothing like old pictures to keep us humble. Right? Uh, I, I'll be honest, I don't even remember some of that. I, I have no clue. The, the angel thing in the leaves? I don't even remember when or where and, and why. Why? Um, wow. Uh, what a fun journey. Hey, good memories. The best is yet to come. Right? Uh, 
And I, I want to say thanks uh, to our staff, to our church. Uh, listen, I love what I do. Um, but uh, I, I think a little pause button 19 years in uh, is a good thing. Uh, I'm going to spend some time with family, uh, rest a little bit, seek the Lord, and excited about what God's going to do. By the way, I uh, was walking out of the house uh, on the way here, and uh, Josiah said, Hey, Dad, like, this is your last sermon before sabbatical. He said, you better be inspirational. <laughs> no pressure. No pressure. Hey, last weekend, uh, we gave you a book uh, titled A Trip Around the Sun and started a series by the na same name. Uh, I, I just want to apologize for giving you the book because I started listening to the audio book. Oh my goodness, we should have given you the audiobook. Like my voice is tinny and not very good, but Dick Foth could read the phone book. <laughs> and it's therapeutic. I'm listening to it and just loving his voice, uh, not mine. Anyways, uh, A Trip Around the Sun, uh, there's a little subtitle. Uh, Turning your everyday life into the adventure of a lifetime. Now, let me just make a little confession as an author. Um, subtitles are tricky because, like, that's one that you might think you might be over-promising right here and under-delivering. Um, that's easier said than done, but Dick and I thought it sounded better than turning your everyday life into a monotonous existence. Um, that, that wouldn't sell uh, as many copies. And so... Uh, Turning your everyday life into the adventure of a lifetime. That's what I want to talk about for a few minutes uh, this weekend. If you have a Bible, you can turn to Jeremiah chapter 46, verse number 17. One verse, powerful verse, and we'll get there in a minute. And I still remember my first illustration in my first sermon 19 years ago. Just about everybody else, I think, has forgotten it. Uh, I remember it. Let, let me tell you uh, what it was. There was a study done of 50 people over the age of 95, and they were asked one question. If you had your life to live over again, what would you do differently? Now, that's a great question to ask uh, people that have made at least 95 trips around the sun, and three answers emerged. They said we would uh, risk more. Uh, two, we would reflect more. And three, we would do more things that would live on after we die. Let me ask you a question. If you had your life to live over again, uh, what would you do differently? And why are you waiting? You don't need to wait until 95 to ask that question. Uh, I think that this series... We're inviting in people that have had a profound influence on my life. All of them have made at least 70 trips around the sun, and they'll share with us some things that they've learned along the way. Uh, but my prayer is that God would uh, reveal it to us sooner than later. Let me tell you a story, and then we'll look at that passage. It was a decade ago. Uh, I was part of a mission team to Ethiopia, and uh, it was an incredible week, served the church there that we helped to start, Beza International Church, um, built a mud hut, a mud hut. It was, uh, it was incredible. Uh, at the end of the trip, 
the team there on the ground said, hey, we want to we bless this missions team. Uh, can we just uh, go, go on a little field trip to Awash National Park in the outback of Ethiopia and uh, we, we want you to enjoy some of God's creation. And so we got up early one morning. Uh, we headed out of Addis Ababa, the capital. And about two hours out of town, uh, we pulled over for a little picnic lunch. Now, there were some cows grazing. And cows in other countries, far more interesting than American cows. And so we were taking pictures, taking pictures of the cows. And about two minutes later, some armed shepherds with AK-47s came out of nowhere running full speed towards us. That's when we discovered uh, through our translator that if you take pictures of their cow, they want some cash. Uh, Oh, we paid We paid them and then got out of there. Now, have you ever had one of those experiences in your life where uh, in the moment, it's absolutely terrifying, but the split second after, it's absolutely awesome? Uh, We're driving away, and I'm thinking to myself, I just got held up at gunpoint in Ethiopia. I am living life to its fullest. Uh, Laura was not nearly as excited about that little event. Uh, And so we drive a little further, and we come to a natural spring heated by a volcano. Uh, They told us 114 degrees. And we got in, and I'll be honest, uh, I wanted to get right out, but I didn't want to be the first one out, if you know what I'm saying. And so... I was kind of toughing it out, and the guys were all trying to brave it, Um, and it wasn't five minutes, and one of the guys on our team fainted, fainted. Um, Now, this is beautiful. Uh, I I won't mention his initials, but his name is Pastor Joel Schmidgall, had a video camera, and he's recording while this team member faints to their certain death camera doesn't move, not an inch. You may die, but I'm going to get this on film. Uh, Fortunately, someone on the team, Gift of Mercy, actually came to their rescue, and and the the adventure continued. And and, uh, we get to Awash National Park, and we're feet away from animals. I don't even know what their names are. I'm on a Land Rover, African sun setting. And we're driving through this game park. And it's one of those moments where you can't not worship God. We get to our campsite. And, and at this point, it's just like God's just having fun with us. There are some baboons. I, I, I don't know. That just proves that God has a sense of humor. Um, baboons. The backside of a baboon. Don't tell me God doesn't have a sense of humor. Uh, we settle in, we make a bonfire, we're worshiping God around the bonfire, and uh, we had some guards with guns, because it's a game park, and, and they, they hush us for a moment, and there is a lion roaring, we hope, in the distance. Um, unbelievable day. I get into my pub tent, and, and uh, team still makes fun of me, for this. I'm like the only one that had a computer. So um, 
our pup tent had this iridescent glow to it. Um, I think the animals and some of the guards were trying to figure out, what is that? I'll tell you what I was doing. I was capturing every single moment of that day because I didn't, I didn't want to fail to praise God for any animal, any moment, anything that had happened. And in that pup tent, I heard the still small voice of God. And I wrote down what I heard in my journal. I wrote down, don't accumulate possessions, accumulate experiences. That's not a story, it's a storyline. It's been a storyline in my life for 10 years. That was a defining moment for me. It's not a narrative, it's a meta-narrative. You see, there are experiences, there are moments that happen in your life, and they change every moment thereafter. Some are as obvious as saying, I do at an altar and getting married. That moment shapes every other moment the rest of your life. But this was one of those moments for me. Most of us spend most of our lives accumulating the wrong thing. And at the end of our lives, we are possessed by our possessions. We don't own them. They own us. And then we realize that they really don't amount to what we thought they would. I've tried to live by this little mantra, accumulate experiences, and I believe it begins with a relationship with Jesus Christ. Now, I'll explain that at the very end, but to choose adventure is to choose Christ, and to choose Christ is to choose adventure. I think that'll make sense in about 20 minutes. Now, one of the saddest verses, saddest epitaphs in the Bible is buried in the book of Jeremiah. Jeremiah chapter 46, verse 17. I'll be honest. You should walk into an old cemetery. Just kind of picture walking into an old cemetery overgrown with weeds and you find the oldest headstone and you kind of brush it away. And, and that's what this is. It's like this ancient epitaph, Jeremiah 46, 17, and here's what it says, one verse. Give Pharaoh of Egypt the title King Bombast, the man who missed his moment. The NIV says he missed his opportunity. The NET says he let the most opportune moment pass by. The GW says he missed his chance. The KJV says he passed the appointed time. Pharaoh Hophra was the fourth king in the 26th dynasty of Egypt. He was the political leader, the religious leader of one of the most advanced civilizations on the earth. What I'm saying is at this moment in history, one of the most powerful people on the planet. So much power, so much potential. History was his for the making, his for the taking. But he missed his moment. Now, Scripture doesn't identify what it was. But he ruled for 19 years. So he missed more than one, a man who missed his moment. At the end of your life, your greatest regret won't be the things you did that you wish you hadn't. Your greatest regret will be the things you didn't do but wish you had. There's a study done by a couple sociologists 
They found that time is a key factor in what we regret. In short time frames, days and weeks and months, we actually tend to regret our actions more than inactions, 53 to 47%. But over the years, when you look back on your life, like this group of 95-year-olds, when you look back at your life, they found that we regret inactions more than actions, 84 to 16%. In other words, it's the missed opportunities that we regret. It's one word in the Hebrew, abar, missed his moment. It means to miss your exit. It means to let lapse. It means to be intoxicated. Interesting. It means to pass by or to pass up. In other words, it's letting life pass you by. It's making a living instead of making a life. It's missing opportunities because you're afraid of making mistakes. I think the best definition uh, is understanding its antonym. It's the exact opposite of carpe diem. Instead of seizing the day, it's wasting the day away. It's missing opportunities. It's missing moments. It's missing the mark. Can I remind us this weekend that life is not measured in minutes. It's measured in moments. And we've got to make the most of them. Now, trip around the sun, if I had to reduce it down to two words, uh, it would be this, choose adventure. Choose adventure. It's a choice. Now, it's often a tough choice, an inconvenient choice, but it's a choice. Let me tell you a story or two or three. Uh, it was about a year ago, spent an unforgettable weekend with Bob Goff. Uh, some of you remember him speaking here a few years ago. Wrote a wonderful book, Love Does. Um, no coincidence, it was Dick Foth who introduced me to Bob Goff, you know, the six degrees of Dick Foth. Uh, if you looked up whimsy in the dictionary, you would find a picture of Bob Goff. His office is on Tom Sawyer Island at Disneyland. Not even kidding. Um, Bob uh, invites a hundred friends out to his lodge in Malibu, not California, but Canada. And it takes two ferry rides, eight hours to get there. And when we show up, Bob's not just on the dock. Welcome. No, 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 no. No. Uh, there is a flatbed boat that begins to come towards the ferry. And are our eyes playing tricks on us or not? Because it almost looks like, it almost hears, sounds like, uh, there is a marching band. Yes, a marching band. Fully uniformed marching band. Someone playing the bagpipes, wearing a kilt. See, why would you welcome someone just by saying hi? <laughs> when you can do that. Listen, and, and then, like, uh, our group gets together to take a picture. It's sunny in 70s. It's beautiful. And right before snapping the picture, it starts to snow. 
He has a snow machine. He has a snow machine that he just fires off and it starts to snow as he captures this moment. This moment. Um, and then finally, it's time to go. And Bob doesn't wave goodbye. Why would you wave goodbye when you could run down the dock fully clothed and jump into the water? Um, this is someone who knows how to make a moment. P please track with me here because this is a key distinction. I think there are moments that you just recognize them for what they are. Okay. Last weekend, uh, after our services, our campus pastors love and appreciate our campus pastors. We spent about 24 hours with Dick Foth, went down to Lake Anna, and it was our annual retreat. We're sitting on a pontoon boat. I don't know if you remember last Sunday night. I don't know if it was that way here in D.C., but about 90 minutes south, it was the most spectacular moon uh, rise I have ever seen in my life. The biggest moon, the reddest moon, and it's rising above the water. And then right over here is the most spectacular sunset I think I've ever seen. And we're on a pontoon boat, and Dick Felt is just telling story after story after story. And I turn to one of our campus pastors, and I say, okay, I think I get it. I think I get what it was like for the disciples to be on a boat with Jesus on the Sea of Galilee. I just said to the guys afterwards, um, have you ever, ever, ever witnessed a moonrise and sunset as spectacular as that? Uh, no, no. But see, often days like that come and go and we hardly notice because we're looking down instead of looking up. So listen, part of it, yes, part of it is just recognizing moments for what they are. But I, I want to take it. I want to push the envelope. It's about making moments, making moments. So let me tell you another story. Tony Campolo was speaking in Honolulu, Hawaii, many years ago, and his body was still on East Coast time. So he woke up at 3 a.m., found a little greasy spoon, uh, ordered some coffee and a donut. And, and uh, right about that time, uh, a group of uh, eight or nine prostitutes come walking into the diner and sit on either side of Tony. And, and they start talking, and he overhears uh, one of them uh, named Agnes uh, mentioned that the next day was her birthday and that she had never had a birthday party. Well, the group eventually left the diner and Tony Campolo calls the owner over, um, says, Harry, do they come in here every night? Uh, he says, yes. Tony Campolo says, well, what do you say we throw a surprise birthday party tomorrow night for Agnes? So Tony shows up at 2.30 a.m. the next morning, and he decorates the place. I mean, streamers and balloons, big sign that said, Happy Birthday, Agnes. And Harry gets word out on the street, and uh, Diner um, is, uh, in Tony's words, wall-to-wall -wall prostitutes and me. <laughs> at 3.30 a.m., Agnes 
walks in and everybody yells, happy birthday, Agnes. And they sing happy birthday. And, and Harry says, cut the cake. And, and Agnes says, I can't cut the cake. I've never had a cake. Let me take it and show it to my mom. And then I'll come back and cut the cake. Well, Agnes walked out. Tony Campolo said the place was dead silent. And so he said he didn't know what to do. And he said, let's pray. <laughs> and he prayed that God would deliver Agnes and make her new again, give her a second chance. And when he finished... Harry, the owner, leans over the counter and said, I didn't, I didn't know that you were a preacher. What kind of church do you preach in? <laughs> Tony Campolo said, it was one of those moments where the Holy Spirit gives you just the right words. He said, I preach in a church that throws parties for prostitutes at 3.30 in the morning. Harry says, no, no, you don't. I would join a church like that. <laughs> Tony Campolo says, wouldn't we all? I have a hunch. I might have missed that moment. I wonder if most of us would have just kind of mm, hit the exit when they hit the entrance. Tony Campolo saw something. Uh, that, there was a moment to be made, an opportunity to be seized. Here's what I'm getting. Okay, Dick Foth. Um, Dick Foth, if I had to boil him down to kind of one little... Listen, everybody that Dick Foth meets is an adventure. If he meets you, oh, what an adventure. Um, it's so simple. It's so brilliant. It's so like Jesus. Read the Gospels. It's what Jesus did all day, every day. He made moments, uh, turned ordinary moments into defining moments in people's lives. How? Loved them, listened to them, uh, graced them, uh, forgave them, healed them, partied with them. At the temple, at the well, uh, at the sycamore tree, at a party at a Pharisee's house, on the Sabbath, on the Sea of Galilee, during a funeral procession, during a storm, ordinary moments. And Jesus turned them into defining moments. And each one of those moments then became the meta-narrative for that person's life moving forward. You know what? I think the reason why I love Dick Foe's stories is they aren't just stories. They're meta-narratives. Um, stick with me for a second. Uh, that's a big fancy literature term, but it means the overarching Story. The best example might be the Bible itself. I mean, it's written by 40 plus authors uh, on different continents, different languages, different walks of life over a couple thousand years. But it's one story, isn't it? Yeah. It's a meta narrative from Genesis to Revelation. It's a love story. It's about the fall of man, but a God who would not let us go and went all the way to the cross to redeem us, rose again, and he's prepared a place for us. That's the meta narrative. And I think the reason why so many of us sometimes get so frustrated, so confused, so depressed is because it feels like our life is a collection of random stories. It's like a jigsaw puzzle without the picture on the top of the box. I want to tell you, 
There's a meta narrative for your life. Jeremiah 29, I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you. It's Romans 8, 28. All things work together for good to them that love God and are called according to his purpose. It's Psalm 139. Listen, all the days were ordained in his book before one of them came to be. It's Hebrews 12, too. He is the author and perfecter of our faith. I want to tell you something. You give Jesus complete editorial control of your life, and he will write his story through you. Can I remind us, every single one of us, you'll see this in the book, is a unique translation of Scripture. I'm the MAB. Mark Allen Bad, Richard Bruce Foth, the RFB. Listen, all of us are a tra- The question is, are we a good version? Is our life a good version? Have we decided to choose adventure and live life the way that God intended us to? Now, I want to tell you how you make a moment so simple. Make someone's day. Wake up tomorrow. Make someone's day. It's not complicated. I don't think I can do that every day. On Tuesday, start there. Monday. Make someone's day on Monday. And it will become a way of life. Then when you're sitting in the diner at 3.30 a.m., you don't miss the opportunity that's been presented. A week ago, Laura and I spent a little time with some church planners, Taylor and Kristen Wilkerson, moved to Harlem, started church, Trinity Harlem. Uh, Love their backstory, love their family, been friends for many, many years. Uh, He's related to David Wilkerson, founding pastor at Times Square Church. Don't know the exact relation, maybe great, great uncle, but I think they called him grandpa. Um, Taylor told me the prayer that he prayed before moving to Harlem. He said, Lord, if there be any unanswered prayer or unfulfilled dream in David Wilkerson's life, answer it through me. Wow. Well, come to find out, uh, David Wilkerson always wanted to start a church in Harlem. So Taylor tells me a story happened a week ago. He's walking by someone who's homeless and instead of just walking by, kind of feels a prompting and asks them an interesting question. Do you like your life? Well, it begins a conversation and come to find out the last time uh, that this man was in church, it was Times Square Church. He said, an old white guy invited me to church. And I walk into church and then he's the preacher standing up there. Taylor says, do you remember his name? He says, I think it was David. David Wilkerson. Taylor says, oh, my name's Taylor Wilkerson. Um, So Taylor just started a 40-day prayer challenge, sent me a text today. Said, God has literally answered my prayers every day, like just now. I was praying before I went to the gym. I asked the Lord, Lord, would you let me encourage and pray for someone at the gym today? Again, just make someone's day, right? Pretty simple. He said, I just left the general manager's office after talking for 25 minutes and praying for her and her son. And I got a free membership. <laughs> um, prayer is the difference between missing the moment and making the moment. It's the difference between letting things happen and making things happen. Now, it's another sermon for another day, but listen, every, every person you meet is an adventure to be had. Let me close with this. 
uh, several years ago. I was in uh, the Galapagos Islands on a missions trip and uh, magical week. I spent about 24 hours on the high seas visiting island to island, sharing the gospel, and found out afterwards that uh, the boat did seem a little small for our group. It had capsized the week before. They told us after, after um, we were done. Um, it was amazing. Closest thing to the Garden of Eden left on earth. Uh, feels wrong flying in. Should have come up on like a, you know, Contiki raft or something like that. Um, animal life, spectacular. Uh, there were some sea lions swimming at one point, and so I thought, let's jump in and swim with them. I, I, you know, in retrospect, I don't really even know if that's safe, but I'm here. Um, there were these pelicans that looked like prehistoric pterodactyls. They would kind of circle the boats and then dive bomb into the crystal clear water so you could see them dive down, get a fish in its beak, and come back up. I mean, you just felt like clapping for the pelicans, like, awesome. That was awesome. Um, you saw a little clip of me cliff jumping. It was Las Grietas, about a 40-foot jump, and uh, quite the adrenaline uh, rush. At the end of that week, I uh, found a Sprite can. That uh, kind of seems strange, 12-ounce Sprite can. And uh, on it was a little, a little saying, uh, Otra dia, otra aventura. Now, yo hablo un poco espanol. Uh, <laughs> I once visited a place called La Jala and called it La Jala after four years of Spanish. I uh, didn't even know the J-double-L, La Hoya, La Hoya. Um, so with a little bit of help, translated it, another day, another adventure. You know what? Sometimes theology is found in interesting places. Those four words make a pretty good mission statement, and I think they might be the best encapsulation of what it means to follow Jesus, we read right past it. Dial in for just two minutes. Listen, we, we read these stories in the Bible, and then we, we don't really read them for what they are, okay? Um, uh, Jesus went, went hiking with his disciples. They would hike. Things like the Mount of Transfiguration, then a miracle on top of it. That's awesome. Um, uh, they would fish and sail the Sea of Galilee, um, and, uh, oh, campfires, camping, love to camp, camp out all the time, kind of live off the land. Uh, but, but then there was also this kind of supernatural dimensions because they got to hear all of his parables, but then witness all of his uh, miracles. I mean, that's the wrong word, witness, because uh, they filleted the miraculous catch of fish, and then they ate it. They ate a miracle. Uh, they toasted the water that had been turned to wine and drank it. Come on now. What would you give for one experience like that? Because what Jesus does is he takes these disciples, fishermen, most of them, who would have lived within just a stone's throw of the Sea of Galilee in the first century. Average person never traveled outside a 30-mile radius of their birthplace. Jesus sends them to the ends of the ancient world. In other words, let me take your tiny little 30-mile existence. Why don't we blow that up? Why don't we let you live life the way it was really meant to be lived? I want to tell you, when you follow Jesus, you'll meet people. You have no business meeting. You'll do things you can't do. Uh, you will go places that only God could get you there. You know what? He's the God who gives wisdom beyond knowledge, the God who gives power beyond strength, the God who gives gifting beyond 
ability. Love unconditional, joy unspeakable, peace unimaginable. It's a package deal. Jesus said, follow me. In other words, choose adventure. Listen, you can choose comfort. You can choose uh, selfishness. You, you, can, you can choose the path of least resistance. My exhortation. Choose Christ. Choose adventure. See where he takes you. Let's pray. Father, help us today to respond to your word or to accept this invitation that you've offered. As your heads are bowed, eyes are closed. Listen, to all of our campuses, let me just ask this question. I, I don't want to talk about choosing adventure, choosing Christ without giving you an opportunity to do that. And so if that's you this weekend, listen, this is your moment. Don't miss your moment. I want to pray a prayer, simple prayer. I'd invite you to pray it with me. You don't have to pray it out loud. You can pray it in your heart. But I, I think it's the game changer. Lord Jesus, I'm a sinner in need of a Savior. And so in this moment, I confess my sin. And I profess my faith in Jesus Christ. I surrender my life to your Lordship. And I make a decision this day to put my full faith in you to follow you all the days of my life and to follow you into eternity. Thank you for the free gift of salvation. I receive it and I thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. amen.